and welcome to Bluegrass Stories with Howard Parker and me, I'm Katie Daly. A photograph is a memory you can hold in your hand or share with friends. Personal or historic, photos are a great way to experience an event. Howard Parker talked with Frank Baker, photographer for Bluegrass Today, about his philosophy of live music photography. So, uh, uh, go, going back, uh, well, more than a few years, what, what, what came first, the interest in the music or the interest in the uh, photography? Well, the music came first. I had been to a lot of festivals through the years that uh, was during a period where I wasn't taking pictures. My interest in bluegrass came from my interest in country music through growing up listening to the radio. And this would have been starting sometime in the early to mid-60s is when I started listening to the radio, to, to country music stations. And there were artists on there that we now know as bluegrass artists, but there was no difference back then. There was also Western cowboy singing going on there. And there was Bob Will's Western swing music going on there. It was all on the same radio station. So because I liked all that stuff, eventually I got to where I wanted to dig back a little bit. And when I started digging back in some of my favorite country singers, like the Osborne Brothers and Jim and Jesse, and to a lesser extent, Jimmy Martin. I remember hearing some Jimmy Martin on the radio. And, you know, and then, of course, everybody says that they first heard Flat and Scruggs and Beverly Hillbillies. So that kind of thing made me start digging back into the roots. So back to the Carter family, Jimmy Rogers, Bill Monroe, even pre-Bluegrass Bill Monroe with the Monroe Brothers. Uh, so I had developed a, a great interest in that digging back and, and learning that stuff. So that's how I got to Bluegrass to where I even wanted to go to a Bluegrass festival. And uh, I got my first digital camera in 2006 and, you know, with nothing in mind other than entertaining myself, I take, took it along to a couple places. And uh, eventually that, that turned into where I was just taking pictures all the time. And uh, <clears throat> I think it was late 2010 or 2011, uh, the online magazine that was at the time known as the Bluegrass Blog, was transitioning to Bluegrass Today, and they put out a, a message, just a general, you know, if anybody wants to be part of this new venture as a writer, journalist, photographer, correspondent, interviewer, whatever, whatever. So I said, yeah, I take pictures. You want to see some? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that started then where I was I felt like I kind of had to, I don't mean that negatively, but I felt like I kind of had to take a lot of pictures, and, you know. So you, you, you never shot film. You, were, you jumped right into the digital domain? I, I did shoot film early on. I got a film camera uh, at, when I graduated from college, which was 1971, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, did a lot of uh, film photography, but I wasn't going to bluegrass shows then, or, or any shows really. It was just, I was just having fun with the camera. 
and I did some wedding photography on film through the 70s, just a little small weekend business on my own. So that was all film. I had a black and white dark room in my house. So I, I developed my own black and white film and played around with that. And, so uh, what 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 digital cameras became available in in the early 2000s that that caused you to sort of make that technology leap? Well, uh, let me ask let me answer a question you didn't exactly ask. There's a friend of mine in college that had film cameras, and uh, I would hang out with him a lot, and we would go around campus and just have fun. And I then after college, I would get together with him and his wife, with me and my wife, and uh, <clears throat> just go visit each other, and and we would play with cameras. But that was all film stuff. But he got he he made the bug bite me for photography, and then that kind of fell away over the next bunch of years. And film was expensive, and I wasn't really doing anything other than just having fun, and it, it turned out to end being fun until, now we're getting to the question you asked, until this friend of mine said, hey, I just got a digital camera. Take a look at this thing. And, I mean, we weren't close. He was up in New York State, and I'm in central Pennsylvania. Uh, it would only be visits now and then, but he, he got me interested in looking and seeing what I could look at for a digital camera. And what I got was a Canon uh, Digital Rebel XT, which I think was the second Canon digital offering. So I got the Digital Rebel XT and started with that. So that's the camera that I had then when I started doing the festivals and the stuff I was talking about a minute ago. And, and things became easier for you then? Uh. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it's the instant gratification thing. You can take a, a thousand pictures and see them all instantly and know which ten are good. If you take a thousand pictures on, <laughs> on film, you know, it takes a week to see them, a roll of 36 or 24 at a time. And if none of them are any good, you wasted your money on film, you wasted your money on developing, and you wasted your time waiting to see how bad a job you did. <laughs> <laughs> and and that leads me to, to my next question. Uh, uh, so you're, you're in it, basically, the, uh, the infancy of, um, of that transition be, between Bluegrass Blog and, and Bluegrass Today, and you sort of... Uh, um, volunteered your services as a photographer. Uh, so, uh, did you take a, a you know a thousand good shots out of a thousand, or uh, or were you basically just just uh, uh, hitting that shutter as many times as as you could over a period of time and hoping for the best? Well, it started with the latter. Just take take a ton and see what turns out, because it was a learning process for digital for me. It was a learning process for stage performance photography for me. So I just, you know, shot all the time, shot everything, and then looked to see what came out of that. I had noticed at one point, and I haven't checked this recently to see if it still holds, but an average for me is about 10% of what I shoot are 
usable enough to send to Bluegrass today or to put on my computer or put on Facebook or whatever I want to do with them is about 10% of the times I push the shutter. So again, going back to film, you know, that's three and a half pictures out of a roll of film. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, and, and were you doing, uh, back in the film days, were you doing your own processing or you were using a commercial processor? Well, black and white I did myself. Uh, most of the color I did was color slides, which, of course, was commercial, Kodak. And I would take color print film uh, when I was a wedding photographer for that eight or ten years during the 70s. Now, uh, when um, I, I know you as primarily a um, an East Coast photographer. I mean, you and I have known each other through Delaware Valley for um, a, a number of years. Uh, we see you at Gettysburg. We see you at, at IBMA. Where, um, where else might we find you? Pretty much where you've seen me is, is where I am. I live just outside of Harrisburg in central Pennsylvania. I go to two Gettysburg festivals. I go to the Delaware Valley Festival. Uh, over the recent several years, I've gone to IBMA, <clears throat> which has been in Raleigh the only times I've ever been there. I, I didn't go there the first year in Raleigh, and then I've been going only to Raleigh. Uh, there's a, a couple of other smaller festivals that uh, mostly Pennsylvania, I guess. There's one up near State College, the Remington Ride Bluegrass Festival that I've been to and took pictures there. There's a free festival every year. It, it's not occurring in this year. Again, they're, they're on hold again. Uh, that's in uh, Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And that's only about 25, 30 miles from mm. So I've been to that one to take pictures. I'm naming the ones that I've taken pictures of for sure. you guys today. The first show that I shot, I believe, was 2009 at Delaware Valley. Oh. Prior to that, and one I, I forgot to mention, I had gone a couple times to the Old Country School in Luckett's, Virginia. Mm. And I... Uh, I saw Hazel Dickens there and took pictures of her in 2010. That, I think, was the first pictures that I took of a stage show. And, and how did you approach that, that first Delaware Valley uh, Blue, Bluegrass Festival? Did you just show up with a camera and, and start wandering around? Did you, uh, did you get um, any unique, any special access um, at all to Delaware Valley? Not the first, not the first time I did it because it was just a, I was just a guy with a camera. I wasn't representing Bluegrass today at that point. I was just sitting in the audience with a camera and shooting what I could, and then I used some of those to submit to Bluegrass today after the fact as okay. I've been to a festival. Here's what I can do if you can use any of my pictures. Now in subsequent years, I have gotten backstage access and that type of thing that I'm allowed to wander around a little more so. Sure. Through, through your accreditation with, uh, with bluegrass today. Yeah. That plus people, just people like yourself on stage, you've seen me before. So I'm no longer a threat <laughs> perceived anyway. Uh, so, you know, folks in charge 
letting me wander in and out. What do you have a strategy at all when when you attend these uh, these festivals? I mean, uh, you, you see um, a, a lot of the bands frequently. I, I would imagine, particularly those festivals that tend to. Uh, you know, showcase the best of the best, the 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 biggest names in in the in the business. So, for instance, like Dell, I'm not sure how many times you've had an opportunity to shoot Dell and the boys. Uh, but is the, is there a strategy for for approaching the, the, this this photography? Yeah, I don't know if I have in in my mind an actual strategy that I set out to follow. Uh, other than possibly I do want to be present for at least a small amount of time for every act, if not every show. Uh, I mean, just in case somebody says, oh, and we brought along world-famous guests that you didn't know was coming, and here they are, and I'm taking a nap back at the camper. So <laughs> I like to, to show up. So, so that's probably the only strategy is, see everything and and that's a lot of hours over a weekend festival i mean um um i think a three-day festival that that i'm you know associated with i think that's typically uh, probably in excess of 30 hours of stage time yeah and i'm not there for all 30 hours but for a 45 minute show i kind of at least take a peek and and like what i said it could be something coming up that i didn't know was coming up and then i missed it and and besides those those special um, occasions, is is there is there are there things that you look for for a band that you would shoot either in terms of angle or or personality of the of the uh, of the band? I think maybe that addresses my overall style of the photographs I take, which are more like portraits. So I like head and shoulder or head and instrument <laughs> shots that really, again, I just shoot as many opportunities as I can see. And then later, when I, when I weed out down to my 10% keepers, uh, I look for the ones that might have a, an unusual or a special expression or pose, like if, you know, somebody suddenly holds their instrument way up high to a, to a vocal level mic or just, you know, there was a unique pose or, or an, 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 an off to the side smile or gesture or something that I can catch somebody in a, an expression that's not just standing there behind the mic. And that's another thing too. I don't want to take pictures of them behind the mic. So I try to do an angle where I can see faces. And, and is your photography primarily performance um, photography or uh, do you do you try to get uh, either backstage for more informal moments or or around those hospitality areas that uh, festivals frequently uh, provide for bands uh, backstage? Yes, I would say I am primarily performance on stage. I do go to the merchandise tables or or that kind of thing, and and I'm never concentrated much or, or thought that I've gotten really good results from that type of thing. Not that I never have, but that's not where I'm concentrating on. 
And, and, and backstage, I actually take from the side of the backstage of the performance, not the performers in the back talking or having their hot dogs or whatever's going on back there. <laughs> those, those festivals that, um, that, that you shoot, do you have an arrangement uh, with any of the event producers or is basically just an informal agreement that, uh, that you're there and, and you're known because you've been there multiple times and um, they know who you represent? Uh, uh, do you have any other type of agreement with an event producer or any venue that you might, uh, you might be attending? No, not, not an actual agreement. It's like you said, it's, it's, I'm there because they recognize me and they allow me to be there and they know I'm taking pictures for bluegrass today. Uh, I, I haven't ever even approached a particular festival to say, Hey, do you want to buy or use any of my pictures for your festival specifically or exclusively? It's just, I'm there with my camera. I'm going to send them to bluegrass today. And, I, I usually let the the stage people, even more so than the people who run the festival, I let the people know who I am and here I am and I do wear a tag. Some festivals like Delaware Valley does provide a tag to identify me for their festival. But I have a Bluegrass Today credential tag as well that just helps identify me. Sure. But, uh, but there's nothing that I've ever arranged with a promoter or a specific festival to say, okay, I'm here to take pictures for you. Talk, talk about the, the technology a bit, and uh, particularly the, the technology that, that you use. Do you, do you consider yourself sort of a, a photography geek? Uh, do, you, do you go after the biggest and the best? Are you carrying around a lens, you know, that's five foot long, sl sl slung over, <laughs> slung over, over your shoulder as, as a professional photographer, the, the, these types of environments, what, what are you typically carrying with you? Yeah, I, I've seen those people, but I'm not him. <laughs> uh, I, I said before that I started with a Canon Digital Rebel XT. And a few years after that, I got a Canon 7D. Now that's a seven and the letter D because there's also a, a D70 and <laughs> a D70. It's not a D70, it's a 7D. And it, so that's the camera that I've been using, almost the only one that I've used since I upgraded to that. Just over the pandemic, I upgraded the 7D to a 7D Mark II. That's just their latest, you know, little improvements as far as focusing and and processing and speed and all that kind of stuff that they've upgraded. But I'm still basically using, it's a DSLR, which is digital SLR, single lens reflex. It's not a mirrorless. That's what's coming out now. I don't have a mirrorless. I don't aspire to have a mirrorless because then I got to start from square one and I can't use anything I already have, you know, to switch over to something new. Uh, the lens I use is a, uh, it goes to 400. I think it's an it's either a 17 or an 18 to 400. The brand of that is Tamron, uh, manufactured 
with the mount to fit on a Canon camera. You can also get them for other cameras. So, so that can be a, so, a, a, a fairly wide angle yeah. lens at, at, at one extreme and, and a fairly extreme telephoto at, at the other extreme. Yes, that's exactly correct. And, and I almost never take that lens off. I have a couple of other fixed focus lenses or a couple of other shorter telephoto zoom lenses that I have them and I have them with me, but I've not seen reason to put them on <laughs> because, I mean, I can, I can go wide angle shot from the, from the first or second row. I can get most of the, the whole spread of a stage and I can zoom in for a, a tight headshot. And and the, the the days of carrying multiple film canisters around uh, with you are, are are long gone. But uh, what other accessories do you you typically carry with you on site? Well, I would have spare battery, uh, spare memory cards. I have and take with me a flash external flash, but I almost never shoot a flash picture. There and, are, there would be situations where it could be helpful but not for stage photography, which is my main focus. I'm thinking like, for example, a backstage shot. If I wanted to take pictures of people sitting around the, the snack bars or you know, in the back corner of a dark tent or something where they're tuning, that's not the kind of pictures that I take, but if I wanted that picture, I would need a flash for that. So I have an external flash with bounce accessories that you know you bounce it off the ceilings or the walls or whatever surface is available. The the on-camera built-in flash, I would say I would only ever use in an emergency because mm -hmm. uh, I don't like the look of the finished product from that. And and for those people that um, are are more casual. Uh, f photographers that may be, uh, you know, carrying around typical point and shoot or, 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 or a mirrorless or, or whatever. What, what format are you shooting in? Uh, are you, are, are you shooting J JPEGs? Or are you shooting raw? Yeah, I, I shoot JPEGs. Uh, my camera can do raw, uh, <clears throat> but I found just from experience that I can, I can process. We didn't talk about that yet. I use Lightroom, mm -hmm. but I can, I can process a JPEG image to give me exactly what I want. So I have not felt the need to shoot RAW, which takes quite a bit more memory on the memory card in the camera. And you can do a lot more with that. <clears throat> if you shoot RAW, it keeps a lot more data, which is why it's called RAW. It keeps the RAW data of everything that the camera has the capability of capturing, so you can play with that later. Whereas a JPEG throws away a percentage of the data and gives you an average, you know, in layman's terms, it, it, it's, it's an average representation of what you took. But again, coming back to personal experience, I've never had a problem getting what I want having shot JPEGs from the, from the beginning. That's the only format that's saved in my camera is a JPEG. And and for the and for the, the uninitiated, I'm 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 not sure if if this is entirely accurate, but I but I believe that the JPEG is a it's a it's your typical compressed format um, shot that you know most all consumer cameras 
shoot these days while raw is basically the as you said raw and it's uncompressed it's every pixel that was shot is there and and the files are just uh, humongous and and sort of compared to what an mp3 is in audio versus a wave file and audio or some other un uncompressed file yes that's I, I agree with everything you said that's exactly right so uh, do you do any, any processing at, at the festival? You, you just don't arrive. I mean, when you, when you show up at a festival, you're there for the duration. I, I think often, or maybe 100% of the time, you, you basically, you're, you're a camper there, aren't, aren't you? Or? Yeah, yeah. I usually stay in my pop-up camper at, at the festivals that I've named that I go to. <clears throat> and what I, what I try to do daily, I do take my laptop along with me in, in the camper, and I, at the very least, I download the pictures from my camera card into my computer, at the very least. So that means at least they're there. I have them. <laughs> they, you know, they can't go away. I have them at least two places now. And in fact, three, because I, I have an external drive that I make a copy to as well. So going past doing that at the very least, the next thing that I do if I have time, if I'm still awake <laughs> any time after the, the day's show, is I'll start going through them and looking for things that are just, well, there's no way I can use that one. You know, that's just totally blurred for whatever reason, or that was an accidental button press that I don't need a picture of that blade of grass. <laughs> so I delete the stuff that's obviously not usable. My next step, whether I get to do this at the festival or not, but my next step then is to try to pick out the ones that are really good, not just not blurred, but, oh, this is a, this is a cool shot. I want this one. So Lightroom has a, a way to mark that. You know, it puts a flag on it that says, yeah, come back to this one. So I just do that as far as I can after each day of shooting and uh you're you're uh uh from from what uh what i see what's what's really nice is that you you provide basically to uh bluegrass today uh for the multi-day festivals a a daily gallery of um of uh of photography and uh, since these are all essentially digital files i'm uh, my assumption is is that you 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 have a place to store them in the in the cloud and provide um, bluegrass today a link and they can just go and pick and choose whatever they whatever they like and uh, and publish that gallery uh, typically within 24 hours I mean usually it's almost in instantaneous yep uh, the only thing not quite correct about that is how instantaneous because I spend I, a greater percentage of my time on the computer than the percentage of time I spend pressing the shutter button. So it does take me a couple of days to get a stack of pictures, virtual stack, ready to send to Bluegrass today. Uh, I actually find <clears throat> that my creativity is done by the computer I can't give you a percentage, but I would say my creativity is on the computer way more than my creativity on pressing the shutter button. 
because I almost always make some change. Uh, cropping, lighting, which I can change in Lightroom. I can make it look like there's a spotlight on a face when there's not. I don't do that, but what, what I'm saying is if there's a shadow on the face, I can lighten it up. I can do a, a lot like that. And, and primarily cropping, because when you're quickly sitting there pushing the shutter button time after time after time, not everything is in, in the frame exactly where you want it, so move it around a little bit. So it takes me some time to get them ready, and then uh, I do put them in the cloud. I use Dropbox and notify the folks at Bluegrass today. Here's the link. Here they are. And so if I'm a, um, I wouldn't say a casual fan, but an interested fan um, that wants to get into the business, either for-profit or non-for-profit, and we haven't talked about that, I'm not even sure if I want to, but uh, uh, if someone wants to investigate the possibilities of um, establishing themselves as a bluegrass photographer, how how do they start? What 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 might their expectations be as far as um, costs incurred at least to get started? Well, for me, I mean, I can only answer for me and to give advice that somebody else who wants to start doing this could do. I'm not sure how that could be applied. Uh, what it was for me, I was there anyway. I owned the camera anyway. It's not like I answered a job ad as a photographer and said, oh, okay, well, now i got to go buy this and got to go buy that, got to go buy this. So I'm not sure how that person would proceed. But for me, I was there anyway, taking pictures anyway, and got lucky because I was reading the Bluegrass blog when I saw their ad that said, hey, we're looking for people. Submit what you think you can do for us. Well, let, let me let me rephrase the uh, the question a, a little bit. If I'm a a fan that thinks they they want to get involved in 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 becoming more serious about bluegrass photography, and if I run out and get a you know a, a Canon PowerShot point and shoot with uh, one of those all-purpose um, lenses that sort of goes from here to there sort of with uh you know with with a few features could could i be expected to take reasonably good photography uh from a quality standpoint not necessarily from from us you know positioning themselves correctly on stage but as far as the quality goes if i spend a few hundred bucks on a point and shoot do you think it's plausible that I could get reasonably good quality photography out of that out of that device? Yeah, I, I do think so, uh, because you can probably get that quality from most modern cell phones as well. Uh, but it's back to, I believe, my creativity happens on the computer after the fact. And I would think that this person with a point and shoot or a cell phone would need to be looking at what they can do with it after they've shot it before they can proudly say to a publisher, hey, here's, here's a really cool picture I made. Can you use it? I wouldn't think you would just download a point and shoot or download a cell phone and, and turn it in and everybody says, oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, send me some more. 
I don't think that's an expectation that you should have. And and again, for that fan, let's say with this hypothetical point and shoot camera, does it does it come down to uh, a choice of either you can pay attention to the music or pay attention to 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 what you're shooting? I'm I'm curious, how much music do you actually get a chance to listen to at the festival? Yeah, I I pretty much hear every note. That's why I'm there. Okay. And, and while I'm while I'm enjoying the music and and I really do. Uh, the bonus is, oh, there's a cool expression. I can capture that one while I'm at it. <laughs> I got you. Any interesting stories that 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 you can share? Uh, uh, and I'll preface say any interesting, non-embarrassing stories that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that you can share about something that you may have witnessed or a shot that you um, were surprised that later when you looked at that you didn't realize how good a shot you actually got until you got back to your camper and took a look at that stuff? There's, there's often an element of when I'm being creative and looking at them on the computer, there's often an element of, of me being surprised that, oh, look how I can take this blurry shot and convert it into this cool shot. Uh, there hasn't been anything that stands out to me that, you know, embarrassing or not, <laughs> that would be like, oh, I was present for this moment when this happened to this person. But I have been present for, for moments that, like I, like I say, the reason I try to go to every, to a couple of minutes of every uh, show, not just every act, uh, is is to catch things that happen. I guess one thing I'm thinking of happened at the Gettysburg Bluegrass Festival a bunch of years ago, <clears throat> shortly after Ben Eldridge retired from the seldom scene. Uh, Lou Reed of the seldom scene got out his cell phone and called Ben Eldridge, and we all sang happy birthday to him. So I do have this serendipitous shot of, of Lou Reed holding his cell phone up so that Ben could hear the audience singing to him. <laughs> so, I mean, if you weren't there, it's just a photograph of a guy holding a cell phone in the air. <laughs> but that happened, and, and that was cool at that time. That, that, that's excellent. I, I, I was not there when that happened, but I sort of wish I was now. But I, I do want to say one other thing. I don't know if if uh, this is anything that you would uh, care to want to pass on to listeners, but it's a it's kind of a personal story of mine. Is one of the first shows that I saw with my camera and took pictures of was at uh, Luckett's of Hazel Dickens, and and I wanted to buy her book. She had an autobiography or a biography that just came out, and she ran out just as friend of mine and I got there and you know we were lamenting the fact we can't get it and Hazel said well just give me your address and when I get home I'll send it to you I said oh thank you very much can I you know how much are they I'll write you the check right now and she said oh no don't don't pay for it now just I'll send it to you so she did and a, and a week later I got the books in the mail and I had printed off some of the pictures that I took of her at Luckett's that day. 
So I sent her a couple of copies of pictures. And she again wrote back. So, I mean, now we're pen pals sending these letters back and forth. And she really appreciated a couple of those pictures, one in particular that she said she would like to have her uh, record company look at because she's about to come out with a CD and she would like them to consider using one of my pictures for the CD. So I'm thinking, well, yeah, sure, that, that's really cool. So in another cycle of sending pictures back and forth, I also sent her a couple of pictures of Mike Seeger that I had taken pictures of Mike at an auto harp festival. Because I, I knew, of course, of the connection between Mike Seeger and Hazel through the years. So Hazel said, that, thank you very much. That's a really cool picture. Did you know that the guy that wrote, helped me write my biography is writing a biography on Mike Seeger? Would you mind if I showed him those pictures? Well, that was Bill C. Malone, famous uh, country biographer, author. And so a couple of weeks later, my phone rang and a southern accent on the phone said, this is Bill Malone. Hazel Dickens sent me a picture. I was wondering if you would allow me to use a couple of those pictures in my book. So I said, yes, of course. I mean, let me think about that. Yes. <laughs> so there are two of my photographs of Mike Seeger in Bill Malone's biography of Mike Seeger. The photograph that Hazel liked of herself, she passed away before that CD ever came out. So nothing ever became of that. But that was like a roundabout thing that's within the first two years of me getting a digital camera or, or a, a photographing country and bluegrass stars with that. So that's kind of cool for me to look back and realize that my pictures of Mike Seeger are, are published in a biography of Mike Seeger by one of the gentlemen who's probably one of the most famous country authors. If you want a book on country music, you got to have Bill Malone's book. And he's even featured in the videos on the Ken Burns country music series. There's a lot of shots of Bill Malone. That was Howard Parker talking with Bluegrass Today photographer Frank Baker about his thoughts on live music photography. You can see Frank's work on bluegrasstoday.com. Bluegrass Stories is hosted on SoundCloud.com and can be streamed on SoundCloud, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on KatieDaily.com. I am Katie Daly, and thanks for listening to Bluegrass Stories. Bluegrass Stories.